everyone um welcome back to vagina slims my name is lauren rose if you're new to this thing and we do this every few weeks or so um podcasts talking about things that we like so i just want to say thank you to everyone who's tuning on in and supporting as usual um yeah it's officially the dog days of summer Speaking of which, I got a little pup on the floor right now because I'm the only room that has the, the AC unit on right now. So <laughs> maybe we'll get a few words from Reagan. But um, yeah, super gnarly out. Super gnarly. But with that being said, I've kind of gotten into this uh, like cowboy, jazz, swing, yodeling craze. So I apologize in advance if you hate country or yodeling, but it's going to be happening this summer on the podcast. So, you know just prepare yourself <laughs> um but yeah i'm excited i also as usual wanted to go say a couple of thank yous for those um who are tuning on in and listening to the podcast odd dot ray on instagram says i really appreciate your podcast your voice is so so beautiful <laughs> thank you as i like to stutter on that um and as always getting my creative vibes flowing thank you lauren um courtney dot lillian I think this is in response to the blood orange stuff that I played last podcast or last couple really um so good I love coastal grooves so much the complete knock is one of my favorite songs ever I can't wait till his new album yeah me too um I think yeah the New York Times just did this really nice long article slash interview on blood orange so you should check it out if you haven't already it's, it's pretty rad Christina.themel on Instagram. Freaking love this episode. I just graduated from university and I'm going through the same feels. Kisses from Magical Greece. Beautiful. Um, yeah, okay. So, thank you, everyone, as per usual. Um, some news, I guess. I have news. We are going to be starting a film club. If you saw it on my Instagram, I'm really excited to you know start doing this because i know we always like name drop films and stuff (laughs) during the podcast and i always wonder if you know what a better way we can do this so that everybody can be involved um in the conversation so yeah with that being said i announced that the first film that we're going to be reviewing is blue velvet so that will be at the end of the podcast um at least for the summer i'm not sure how long we'll do this for um and then i'll also be discussing what we will be watching in the future and i'd love to take your comments and suggestions um so as always just check the description i have all my social media links and all that stuff for you to contact me with so yeah okay so let's start the vibe off short and sweet and simple with um some ella fitzgerald and this is cow cow boogie enjoy out on the plains down near santa fe i met a cowboy riding the range one day and as he jogged along 
I heard him singing a most peculiar cowboy song. It was a ditty he learned in the city. Come on, Get along. Get hip, little dog. Get along. Better be on your way. Get along. Get hip, little doggy. And he trucked him on down that old fair way, singing his cow cow boogie in the strangest way. Coming to ya ya ye. Coming to yip till ya ye. Singing his cowboy songs. He's just too much. He's got a knocked out western accent with a hard touch. He was raised on local weed. He's what you call the swing half-breed Singing his cow-cow boogie In the strangest way Come at the eye-eye Come at the yippee-eye That cat was raised on loco weed. Jackie's what you call a swing half breed. Singing his cow cow boogie in the strangest way. Come at come at the Get, 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 get along, little doggy. Better be on your way. And welcome back. That was Ella Fitzgerald, um, Cow Cow Boogie. Super good. Um, I recently came across a lot of like cowboy, cowgirl inspired music. So I'm going to keep that on lock and disperse it throughout the summer. <laughs> um, I'm actually really excited about that. Sorry. Also, still getting used to the mic setup, but whatever. Um, so yeah, that's that. Uh, I always feel like I have to do like a life update <laughs> whenever I come on here. Uh, life is decent. Got another job, two jobs, just living in the summer. Uh, rent went up. I think I mentioned that. Did I not? Um, so I have to move, which sucks because I love my apartment. I don't know. Just city life. Looks like it's about to storm. So, um, yeah. Oh, I did have something something to say i saw the nice guys in theaters i don't know if any of y'all have been keeping up with that kind of stuff is really mainstream uh ryan gosling <laughs> sorry um i like immediately get choked up uh he was in it and i've actually always been a stan i guess if you will for ryan just because um 
I was kind of first introduced to him through Derek Sian France's work, and in particular, The Place Beyond the Pines and Blue Valentine. Um, y'all know that I, I talk about that all the time on the, the podcast, and I thought that he's a really fantastic actor. So, um, The Nice Guys, I don't even know how to explain the plot. It's not that it's complicated, I just really didn't have like the patience. Um, I don't know. It's just very... It's a very mainstream film directed by Shane Black, who's this really well-known writer. I mean, he makes Boku books. Um, He wrote, like, Predator and I think some of the Iron Man movies, or all of them. Um, But yeah, I don't know. It's just super shitty, because all the female characters were totally either dumb, like bimbo types, or hidden, like, viper, you know succubus which is a term i've been hearing a lot recently um which is a whole other topic um you know anyways like bad villain type uh or just dumb and stupid and they get killed because of how dumb and stupid they are i don't know and i was listening to a podcast um because i've actually been listening to a lot more film podcasts recently and like film reviews and stuff and I couldn't believe like what I was listening to um these guys were just talking about the writer and they're like oh yeah you know uh the 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 women in this film are not really written that well but I can't wait to see what he does in the future with that and how he you know grows in that I'm like why like are we I've been talking about this to everybody so I'm kind of (laughs) heated but um it's like why are we spending so much fucking time and money on like people who can't write decent characters like I don't like I understand like that's how things are right now but it just kind of baffles me how people even like film lovers can just sit with like their hands under their you know under their legs and be like oh I can't wait for him to like get better at not objectifying women it's like uh like I don't know like suck some more ass while you're at it um sorry (laughs) I don't know so yeah and then the other thing about the film was that there was a lot of violence um which I feel like a like a mom or something like that like a concerned parent when I'm like there's too much violence in mainstream media but fuck it it's true it's insane how much gore like you know there's a scene where ryan falls off of this building and he lands in a swimming pool but this guy who chased him off the building or whatever i don't remember how it went down he like falls flat into this man you just see this like red spurt and it's just disgusting you know like i i don't know it's like a little bit different because this can get me kind of in hot water um uh violence in films it's like it depends on the level uh, like of reality you know like with quentin tarantino shit he kind of creates his own world i'm not saying like that his films are totally absolved from anything but you know he creates this like different universe within his films whereas like this one is set in the 70s and sure it's like kind of a a crime detective thriller whatnot that like, there's going to be shooting but like it just comes a little too close to reality in that sense if you know the direction i'm going in so um yeah but oddly enough there are two palo alto characters in in the film jack had 
um, a few scenes and he, he looked cute. I mean, whatever he looked cute. Uh, he has like this really nice cropped haircut and he just fit really into the setting. Um, and then who else? That girl who was on the soccer team and was the other babysitter. She's in it as well. And she plays a main character. So yeah. Um, but yeah, Ryan was great. <laughs> he was super funny. Um, and Russell Crowe's in it and whatever. So yeah, but I'm looking forward to seeing the Fitz lobster, the lobster. I have no idea what it's about. My friends have been telling me though to see it. Um, and then what else? I'm going to see the Neon Demon <laughs> next Wednesday, which I'm pumped about because I'm doing it with my friends Layla and Lottie, and they are amazing. Um, but I can't get over like the graphics for that trailer. I don't know if y'all have seen it. It's the one with Elle Fanning, and she's like a supermodel, but like killer. Like, I don't know. <laughs> and uh, I don't mean to knock too hard because I don't like to get ranty in my podcast now. But um, the graphics look like they were <laughs> like a mid-2000, like, BD Guru intro or something. You know what I mean? There's, like, purple glitter, like, falling. And I don't know who's, like, the des- the designer or art director of the film. But I'm like, fuck. Anyways. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. I don't know. I've just been watching a lot of good films. Um recently i picked up this vhs um actually today and i just watched it before where before i came on on here um it's called elvis and me and it was um tv movie turned well okay it was made for tv i'm pretty sure 1985 but it was produced by priscilla presley and it's kind of this origin story of priscilla and how her and elvis met and it's so gnarly like not in a good way just like barf you know um because she's like 14 when she met elvis and he's 24 and even in in the film like he's a total dick and to know that she was like behind the making of the film and to think about how much is you know true and i don't know like i guess it's hard so i feel like many of us have been in kind of similar situations like obviously not but you know like when you kind of fall for somebody that you know is just total trash mm, well I suppose she didn't know that but I don't know stuff happens like that but it was just super creepy and um unfortunately it was like the volume one VHS tape and there's a volume two so I found the 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 first film online at least so I'll leave it up below if you guys want to watch that but um I don't know relationships stuff like that it's it's a lot <laughs> um I don't know I'm kind of feeling some Connie Connie Francis right now I'm gonna pull 180 and uh switch up my tracks here so yeah um let's play everybody's somebody's fool um this one goes out to Lana because she's a Connie fan and uh her birthday is recently so yeah let's hit it the tears i cried for you could fill an ocean 
welcome back. That was Connie Francis with Everybody Somebody's Fool, which is a fantastic song. Um, I'm not sure the year of that. I should look that up. Um, I don't know. I just can think of <laughs> so many just cringeworthy situations where like, I am the fool and then I'm the person who's like seeing the fool, like whatever. It's just cringeworthy. But like she said, it happens and there's no avoid in avoiding it or no exceptions. So fantastic. All right. Uh, film club review. Today we are going to be talking about Blue Velvet. Um, now, Blue Velvet is a film that I've seen uh, already. And throughout the summer, I hope to talk about films that I haven't seen and that we all haven't seen together um okay <laughs> and I there may be a tornado happening during this so just uh hang on <laughs> so yeah uh let's see Blue Velvet I have some notes here it was made in 1986 by David Lynch many of you probably know him from the show Twin Peaks which is having a revival through Showtime who knows when? I think they said 2017, but I don't know. Um, David Lynch, he's super nuts. He is very interesting, kind of controversial. Like all of his talks, when you listen to him, he never really gives you a straight answer. Like he talks very much in palettes, like he's a painter. Um, and that's what he did before he made films. So um, the only film like that I really knew was Eraserhead that he had done. Um, I just picked up Dune on VHS actually today, so I'm excited to see that. But um, Blue Velvet has a really familiar cast, Kyle MacLachlan, Isabella Rossellini, Dennis Hopper, and Laura Dern. Um, and the best way that I can describe this film, if you're not familiar, is it's a mystery about the suburban underbelly of America, you know, or any, like, generic 1950s town. And, um, Kyle's character, Jeffrey, he comes back to town after his father has a heart attack, and he finds, um, an ear, a cut-off ear in the middle of a field. And he's a very curious young man, and he decides to take it upon himself to find out where this ear came from. And, um, he meets a detective whose daughter is Laura Dern, or Sandy, who's a beautiful kind of sunshine ray, and um, the two are kind of, you know, dark versus light, and they try to find where the ear came from, and ultimately they are led to Dorothy Valens, who's Isabel Rossellini, and she probably has the most... Um, I don't know, most of the controversy written about Blue Velvet falls within her character, so she's very you know, very much important. And Dorothy is this singer um, at a nightclub, and she sings Blue Velvet, um, which I found a little bit of information about Blue Velvet and where this song originally came from, so let's play that. You know, the idea for Blue Velvet, though, came about from... Uh, she wore blue velvet. Blue velvet? Yes. It's a song and it's a, a texture. Softer than satin was the light. 
from the start. The producers did not want to pay for the Bobby Vinton record. David loved the authentic flavor of it, and they came to me and they said, "Can if we can get Bobby Vinton now, could you do an, an arrangement?" that sounds like the original record. I said, yeah, I could make it sound like a 50s record by using some of those instruments and I can certainly emulate uh, that kind of orchestration. And we would have to get Bobby Vinton to sing it. So David acquiesced uh, to this. He said, great, if we can get Bobby Vinton and we'll just do it over again, it would be great. The only trouble was that this is like 20 years after Bobby Vinton, you know, had this so the first thing we had to do was drop the key like two and a half steps so you no longer had that little pure boy-like sound and though the track was was very authentic in, in the sound and David loved the track when we went into the studio and worked with Bobby we both kind of looked at each other and said you know even though he did a nice job this is not really going to be the authentic thing and David went back and said, look, I have to have the original recording. So yeah, that was a bit about the song, which we'll be playing right after um, we finish this segment. But what struck me about Blue Velvet um, was probably a lot of the technical aspects, to be completely honest. Um, it was kind of shot in a very interesting like landscape horizontal widescreen perspective which I think for like photographers or people who really like um, like set design this is like a great tool to kind of showcase a style and really frame things in a pleasing way which I feel like David is um, very known for these days um, some things to note you know one of those first shots of the white picket fence and the roses and those beautiful flowers and the blue sky. Um, it's very much like there's something that David does, you know, kind of, I don't, I, sorry, I haven't really gathered myself, but, um, you know, back in the, the thirties or the forties, they used to use nylon stockings over film lenses and they stretched them out. So, when you would focus on one of the characters, it'd be kind of blown and soft and really hazy. And that's like the vibe I got from Blue Velvet overall was, you know, it was a beautiful suburban take and the colors were very crisp. It was very technicolor, very exaggerated, um, but also like grounded you, you know, like in Dorothy's apartment, you have this like blush carpeting. Um, I don't know, for those who know me, like, I'm obsessed with carpet um, <laughs> in terms of, like, installation and sculpture and whatnot. Um, but the mood is what's most palpable of the film, and I think that's where it's most successful because you can't quite pin, you know, you know when something's going to go wrong, but you can't quite describe it um, or anticipate it. So it's very terrifying, and... Um, I guess the hardest part about this film is the violence, you know, like we were talking about earlier, um, and the sexual assault. Uh, we're going to be talking a little bit of that, so, a little bit about that. Sorry, and you know, um, there's a really I, I don't know, maybe famous, maybe obscure <laughs> clip um, from Roger Roger Ebert, and he was on his show, which he had um, 
I think it, it was like late 80s and he was frankly pissed off about this movie so we're going to play his clip and see why in the movie's most shocking scene the nightclub singer played by Isabella Rossellini discovers McLaughlin hiding in her apartment who sent you here? nobody I've seen you before I sprayed your apartment I took your key I didn't mean to do anything except see you what did you see tonight? tell me I saw you come in I saw you talk on the phone and then? Blue Velvet is a movie that really challenges you to think about your reactions to it. And my reaction is, I think this movie is cruelly unfair to its actors. It was directed by David Lynch, the same man who made Eraserhead and Dune. And he's a talented director. You can see that here in scenes that have a lot of power. But he asked Isabella Rossellini in this movie to be undressed and humiliated on the screen, as few actresses ever have been, certainly in non-porno roles. And then he tries to take the edge off her shocking scenes by turning the whole thing into some kind of a joke. Well, either this material is funny, in which case you don't take advantage of your stars, or it isn't funny, in which case it shouldn't have so much campy and adolescent dialogue along with the really powerful sexual scenes. Sure, the movie's well made, but the more I thought about it, the less I liked it. Well, I liked it, and I thought about it a lot. And I think mm -hmm. you may be on the wrong tack in trying to feel sorry for Isabella Rossellini, because after all, she consented to do what she did on the screen, number one. Number two, I'm sure she's walking around wherever she lives, New York City or whatever, and survived the whole experience, just like Janet Lee survived the shower scene in Psycho. So I don't think that that's pertinent. I think what's exciting about the film, and it is challenging, is it starts out with flowers and sunlight, and it's a happy little town, and then we dig deeper, and we find out it's a nasty town, or at least a couple of people are nasty. And I sat there, and this did for me, and I use the Psycho example again, this did for me what Psycho did, as I'm a lot younger, which is eyes open, and oh my God, we're really getting in over our heads. And that's an experience which is challenging, shocking, mm -hmm. but mesmerizing, and I like the picture. Well, first of all, I don't think I'm on the wrong tack with Isabella Rossellini. In the first place, the movie was shot in two halves, so she had no idea making her part of the movie that all of the stuff outdoors and in the daylight was going to be smarmy and campy and funny with all kinds of in-jokes. And secondly, it seems to me that we can't divorce our reactions. It's not how Ro Isabella Rossellini reacts mm -hmm. to the fact that she's standing there nude and humiliated on the lawn of the police captain's house with lots of people watching. It's how I react. Mm -hmm. And that's painful to me to see a woman treated like that. And mm -hmm. I want to know that if I'm feeling that pain, it's for a reason that the movie has other than simply to cause pain to her. Well, I think that the reason is that the film is a thriller and a shocker. I mean, mm -hmm. there are people that get hurt badly yeah. in real life, That's and right. I think that this is a legitimate one. This is not a simple mad slash okay, then movie. then why is it a comedy? Because he wants to set you up. He's a director, mm -hmm. and he wants to play you like all the directors, the great directors want to do. He wants to play you like a piano, which is have you smile and then swing you right into the some depression. Yeah, well, the next I think, time you, I think that he somebody got you. wants to play me like a piano, he'd better get some music that's worth listening to. I think this is a good song. So, yeah, I mean, I think Roger, like, has a super great point. Um, it's like, why is this violence necessary? Why do we see it? And this woman, who essentially is being kidnapped and... Um, held under this guy Frank who's a psychopath um, and held hostage essentially and why do we just see her in pain and pain and pain and why is it you know somehow arousing you know like that that is kind of what makes me uneasy and I also I don't know like I'm not gonna 
sit here and say like this was successful and this wasn't and like my idea of this film is what's true because it isn't um but i think you know especially given that rape scene it's interesting how we stay with her from like the way beginning even before that scene and then way after like it's a very long period of the film in which you see that and you see her like highs and lows um and i think that's like important you know not in terms of like depicting rape i guess um but in terms of like depicting characters like sometimes a lot of like traumatic things happen to a character and then they just like leave them and then you kind of fill in the gaps in your head but with this i think that's why it made it so uncomfortable is because like you saw everything kind of unfold in front of you and you had to like quite literally like take in all of that violence because it's it's a lot um so yeah and then i was kind of listening to interviews by isabella and she hadn't really acted before and a lot of people were just upset with her, her her and her character and you know she was put into like a lot of uncomfortable positions while filming and so yeah it's tough and I still don't really know where I sit but the thing that I hold on to the most and can grasp in this film is that David Lynch has a true talent for holding the viewer not only visually but also like sonically um, in tune with this this unseeable like sense of like dread and uneasiness but also like I don't know I don't want to say nostalgia but something like very much beautiful and very light and so at the end you know when they talk about light versus darkness it's so um, unifying to see that all come together so personally um, you know I saw blue velvet recently on the big screen which was a, a really great treat because i usually just you know watch films on my laptop um so that was really great you know to see that and i saw it over at san anthony maine and it's gonna be you know i think it's 30th anniversaries this year in september so um so yeah that's kind of my uh, two cents about the film you know it's definitely one that i don't regret seeing and um it's something that I study a lot, actually. But, yeah, feel free to send me your comments as well over to my Tumblr, which is don't find me on the internet.tumblr.com. Um, and in the future, if you want to let me know what films you want to talk about, um, just hit me up on there as well. So, yeah. Um, let's see. So there's a film that I haven't seen, which I'm more interested in doing. Um, it seems like a cult classic. So we are going to be watching um, in the next episode, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. So make sure to watch that whatever way you can. I'm not going to tell you what to do and what not to do in terms of legality. Um, but yeah, watch that film and then we'll talk about it next time I'm on here. So just want to say thank you again as usual um to everyone for you know making this be a thing <laughs> it's pretty cool that i get to do this all right so with that being said i'm gonna lead out with the song that inspired the film blue velvet also called blue velvet by bobby vinton and this is from 1963 so hope you all enjoy and i'll see you next time bye Blue
from the stars She wore blue velvet Bluer than velvet were her eyes Warmer than May her tender sighs Love was See you. 